Hello and welcome to another edition of House of Nako. I am your host, Nako, bringing you an episode dedicated to today's trending topics. There is so much in the news today. Let's not waste one more minute and jump right into it. Here comes the TTT. I think it's ridiculous. It's a witch hunt. Uh, I'm leading in the polls. They have no idea how they stop me. The only way they can try is through impeachment. This has never happened to a president before. There's never been a thing like this before. It's nonsense. And when you see the call, when you see the readout of the call, uh, which I assume you'll see at some point, you'll understand. That call was perfect. It couldn't have been nicer. And even the Ukrainian government put out a statement that that was a perfect call. There was no pressure put on them whatsoever. But there was pressure put on with respect to Joe Biden. What Joe Biden did for his son, that's something they should be looking at. There was the 45th with Melania standing with that supermodel frozen frown that she is so famous for. My goodness. But whatever people try to say, I know they're not trying to give her any Michelle Obama love and, you know, Melania gets no love at all. But I mean, I must say she does. She slays it. She does. She gets no props whatsoever. But... That woman, she is always on point. But, I mean, she comes from the fashion world, so I would expect nothing less from her, nothing less. But anyway, this is not about Melania. I just had to, as I'm looking at the clip, I'm like, ooh, look at homegirl standing by her man, not happy to be standing there, but doing her duty that as, as us good women do. Do you, Melania, do you? Now let's get to the bad political theater, which is what the what is going on now? Like, what the what? It's almost like it's written, like it cannot be real. But then on the flip side, it's like, how could you even make this up? This has to be real. There is no mind creative enough to grasp into the atmosphere to create such a political fiasco as this. It's almost Shakespearean in the sense that it's just this comedy of errors and cringe and wow, issues. I don't even know where to be. But let's begin with what you just heard. That was Donald Trump's response to and this is going on while there's a huge meeting going on at the UN and it's by no mistake that that's this is coming at this time too because they want us to be distracted by what's going on there so I urge you to not get sucked up into this bad political theater listen to my show so I can break it down to you and then focus on what these countries are talking about, what the issues are going on, and don't follow this mainstream media mindset and totally get sucked into the entertainment and the ridiculousness of it all so that you're like, oh, what, UN, huh? That's pretty important. We, on a global scale, need to be concerned about what is being talked about there. (laughs) So... We'll have to do a segment and break down what this conference means, what 
certain countries have talked about I mean they're talking about sanctions they're talking about wars they're talking about how cray cray the whole world is including the country that we live in now so we need to be concerned this is not about like oh it's them over there in another continent in another time zone and I don't need to care I've got my first world problems like that's not true we're all connected so we all need to be concerned so again that's for another topic I keep delaying but let's get to it it's almost like it's so much I don't even want to start but I need to so I'm just almost catching up to this because I've seen obviously for the past three years paying attention to what the mainstream corporatist media narrative about Russiagate and that they colluded with uh, Donald Trump and they were the reason that Hillary lost. And that whole myth was propagated by every single corporate news media conglomerate. And there's only six media companies. And now there's five, I believe, because CBS and Viacom recently merged and became one. So it's pro- it, it gets smaller. It's getting smaller. But I mentioned that to me that there are only a small group of companies and people that own the news media. And this is the elite. This is the top 10 of 1% that Bernie Sanders re- references and talks about and has been a part of his whole political foundation talking about the 99 versus the one and that it's not fair that this one percent that everything works for them and then the 99 who everything rests on our backs are responsible and have the taxes taken out and don't get any benefits or rewards there's no reciprocity okay this is not this is not about bernie sanders this is not about melania let's get back to the bad political theater so yes this really starts with the russiagate uh, uh news media conspiracy which was propagated as a means and a narrative to try to explain to probably themselves and also to the public as to how Hillary Clinton is not the president. And it had nothing to do with the fact that she didn't campaign in certain areas because she just thought she had it in the bag. The fact that her actual campaign slogan, I'm with her, was really focused on her. and not focused on the people there was no message there was no reaching out she didn't draw crowds she wasn't resonating with anyone no matter how many whip and nene she did no matter how much she talked about there was hot sauce in her bag and playing dominoes and doing twerking no she didn't twerk thank god that didn't happen but it would have if they were like hillary you gotta get up there and just make it happen girl (laughs) that would have she would have done it and none of that all the celebrity endorsements people going out and this woman still couldn't do it and so they had to come up with something instead of looking at like oh maybe it's because of all those things i mentioned and 
eight years of like failed Obama policies and people getting foreclosed on their homes and getting kicked out and the homeless epidemic rising and drug and mental illness rising and all of those issues that's just blanketed (laughs) I'm blanketed meaning I haven't really delved into all that people suffered under eight years of Obama even though he got reelected and everyone was like yay he's there we love him his Colgate smile and his singing and his children and Michelle oh my goodness fist bumping and grinding and Beyonce and Jay-Z and all that's great and dandy but at the end of the day People could not afford this Obamacare. People, like I said, the bailout situation and the aftermath of that and the repercussions of that, which are still being felt today. People were like, no, I'm pissed and I don't want those policies again. And I don't want another Clinton. And Hillary's got all this shade on her and Benghazi and all that. That's why the woman lost, not because of Russians and Russiagate and the Red Scare and all this that they have been uh, propagating instead of taking ownership for why this candidate lost and then create a strategy to win on top of that. But if you create a strategy on top of denial, how can you think that's going to grow and manifest against a president who, yes, has been caught and I am no like a proponent of the 45th. Let me just make that clear right now. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm not also against, you know, people making up things to fit their own agenda just because they aren't happy with the outcome politically or in any other situation. I think that that's whack. So to me, if the man has done the things that the uh, left is accusing him of, come with your receipts, get them all organized, and then come and go through the channels that our laws provide so that this, this president can be treated fairly under the law and taken care of according to what the law says and then that's it and that's all but to keep doing it for years I know sometimes the process takes long but the process wasn't even going because the evidence was not there to go forward and I believe that reason why we're uh, I I'm talking about that is because it's so very connected to what's going on now so that whole Russiagate didn't work Mueller didn't give them the smoking gun that they were looking for. And as I said, instead of accepting reality for what it is, they're still wanting to hold on to this fallacy, this uh, dream in their minds. So then along comes this uh, whistleblower that comes and says, oh, there was a call with the Ukraine and this was treason because he asked the Ukrainian president to look into Joe Biden's son. Now, I haven't even gone to research that, but the long and the short of it is that there was some sort of like land deal in, I believe in Ukraine, but somewhere in Eastern Europe, let's just say, but I believe it is Ukraine. Anyway, it doesn't, well, it doesn't matter where it took place, but this is Joe Biden's son, 
doing business and <laughs> daddy help me he got into some trouble who knows if he didn't pay what he was supposed to pay but he got into some trouble that would have got him jail time but biden uses his weight and power in this world as an elite to get him out of that and that's the assertion that's being made so that is what the transcript is now available in full for you to read it as i have read it so you can go on google type in the transcript many outlets had it i didn't even want to see it on cnn or any of this so i went to the ap npr those places they were providing it to just hey i don't know if they're gonna put their abridged version on it so i wanted to try and see it in its entirety and i read the transcript now i can see why trump called it a very perfect call it was perfect it was great it was awesome because they were just complimenting each other back and forth because these two are very similar so i could see how they were like happy to talk to one another because the new Ukrainian president Zelensky or Zelensky hope I'm pronouncing that somewhat correctly but as you should know and if you don't google his story about how he dethroned basically the sitting president of Ukraine this dude is an actor comes from the acting world but was fed up with how things are going in his country decided to run and won very similar story and narrative to Mr. Trump. Not in the fact of that they grew up in the same sort of privileged class. That I don't know about the Ukrainian president. However, I'm talking about the similarities in the fact that they both came outside of politics. That they both pretty much came from an entertainment world because Trump, and I'm pretty sure if we do look at the source of his money, it has to be from those shows he created. It just has to be. I can't see it being from his real estate, but what do I know? I have not looked at his financials, so I don't know, but I'm just guessing because TV is such big money and that show The Apprentice had like 25 seasons. So I'm assuming a lot of that came, a lot of his fortune has come from those things. So he is an entertainer. He is a marketer. If anything, this president knows how to spin it. He knows how to win it. My goodness. <laughs> he is just show. My goodness. So anyway, I can see how these two were getting along. And they were getting along famously in this transcript. Oh, yes. The, pre the Ukrainian president is talking to him about like, oh, in New York. I came. I have Ukrainian friends that live in New York. And I stayed near Central Park. And I stayed in Trump Tower. He's trying to drop that he stayed at Trump Towers. He's like... And then Trump is like, oh, if you ever want to come to the White House, just call and we'll arrange something. You can come down. I'd love to meet you. You're great. Congratulations. They were both like, you know, giving each other the bro chest bump via the phone. Okay, because they both feel like, yeah, we're like outside dudes and we did it. Yeah. And yes, there is no question that Trump takes a part of that conversation. They talked about other things, but 
there's comes a very clear point it wasn't in any window he comes out and says it he talks about uh, attorney general Barr. talks about Rudy Giuliani he talks he mentions Joe Biden talks about the son says he basically helped his son avoid prosecution that's wrong he's talking about some apparently (laughs) I didn't make the connection and this is no disrespect to the Ukraine but I had no idea that they were like such top in espionage but I was talking with my husband's this morning or yesterday regarding uh, Russian intelligence and he reminded me that because Ukraine and Russia are enemies and Russia has been or does have good intelligence uh, information research skills technology whatever you call it they specialize in that I guess just like how every country has their specialization you know Germans got that engineering going on Swedes got I mean Scandinavians have everything going on you know <laughs> you know but yeah so apparently Ukraine because Russians have that intelligence thing on lock and their enemies they had to beef up their stuff too so I apparently they got it on point but my whole thing is I'm just curious to the fact I mean I know in this great nation of ours that a lot of money is spent on those things as well so how why would he go through Ukraine's channels and not through his own government channels especially if someone in a high position or used to at that point when they talked was biden run anyway yeah yeah so biden was a or seen as a threat to donald trump at at this point in time in the call but he's also asserting that some shady stuff went down so regardless it should be investigated. My goodness, if it was anybody else, that would be something that should be looked, probed into to see if there is any truth to what has been um, alleged, basically. So why couldn't you go through channels here in this country and go and ask Ukraine? But I guess because of their top spy skills and the FBI, CIA, ATF, all those people don't have that. I don't know. So perhaps there's shade, not perhaps, there is shady, just shady boots in that. However, in the transcript, there was no offering and then saying for your dig up of what Joe Biden's son did we are in return going to give you aid. We're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. We're going to lift the sanctions. We're going to lift the bans. It's all good. Capiche? And then they had an understanding that this was what was going on. T- to me, that falls under what the articles of impeachment state as the reasons for impeachment, which are pretty vague. Like, it doesn't get pretty specific in the constitution it says impeachable offenses are quote treason bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors i mean treason obviously has a definition bribery has a definition high crimes and misdemeanors 
can be a little bit loose on what that is. Um, And it goes into saying that Alexander Hamilton basically were uh, defined impeachable offenses as saying that they relate chiefly to injuries done immediately to the society itself. And, you know, basically that whatever this president has done, lie, stole, cheated, whatever, it has hurt the fabric of this country and his ability or her ability. But at that time they're saying his because women didn't even have any anything. So, but anyway, the ability of the commander-in-chief to lead will be compromised if they've done something that has basically shook the core of the American fabric. Jumping to the presidents that have been impeached, and there has only been two. There would have been three. However, Nixon was like, I am not about to go out like that. So he was like, I will resign before you try to drag me through some impeachment process because there is no doubt that he would have been removed from office for that Watergate stuff was no joke. He went in there. It wasn't about some quid pro quo. He just went in and stole like straight up thievery. That is what Richard Nixon did. He was so pressed to stay in power excuse me, stay in power that he wanted to lie, steal, cheat, bamboozle, do whatever he had to do and research Watergate if you don't know what I'm talking about or research it again to refresh your memory because that was some studying that in school. I was like, wow, this is this is cray. Like, this is some lawless cowboy, renegade, mafia type of thinking. So Nixon was like, peace out. Y'all aren't gonna... This is embarrassing enough. You're not gonna embarrass me even more. So he resigned, but he definitely would have been pulled out of office. Uh, even before Nixon was Andrew Jackson. He was impeached because of, like, some sort of... Uh, personnel issue basically they didn't like the way he probably fired some uh cabinet member and replaced him with somebody else that was the reason for his impeachment and he was not removed from office i believe i have to double check you can (laughs) go and see validate these things for yourself Um, But it it was something like that. He went through the process because it's a process. It's a long process. It's a costly process that we, the taxpayer, are going to have to go through. So this isn't like, yay, it's not a win for anybody. Like when when all this attention, it leaves the country also vulnerable as well when all this attention is being put on removing your commander in chief. It's not an awesome thing. However, if somebody is some high rolling, you know, dick slinging, (laughs) I mean, like Bill Clinton, like, you know, like lawless individual, they should be removed. But speaking of Bill Clinton, he is the other commander in chief that was impeached, but not removed from office. There's a part of the impeachment process like first it involves the house the senate 
the judiciary branch, the Supreme Court gets involved. So it's like the House has to vote impeachment, the Senate has to vote impeachment, then it would like go to the Supreme Court to decide if removal is going to be, and there's probably a process even before that. And with Clinton, he was impeached by, my goodness, was he impeached by both the House and the Senate? I don't believe so. I believe it was one or the other, or maybe both, but he did not, they did not vote to remove him from office. So there has never been a president that has been removed. So this would be historical it's historical regardless to go through impeachment because out of 45 presidents, there's only been two. And like I said, Nixon was not impeached because he resigned. So Donald Trump would technically be the third. So that's historic in itself. And then on top of that, I mean, just like I said, to go through this lengthy, expensive for the taxpayer process, leaving your country vulnerable, leaving the country divided because Donald Trump is already garnering and and fueling up his base to get excited, get their Bibles out, get on their knees and start fasting and praying. And, you know, regardless of how much you want to make fun of people who are so for this MAGA president. Yes, he's got legions of people believing that he was put in office. By God, they are praying for him every day. And prayers, I mean, there might be some people who are, (laughs) but that's like no joke. There is a lot of people, like thousands of people putting their energy and time and their mind and their focus you're manifesting and creating something when you're doing that so that's not going to count for nothing with his supporters and he's revving them up he's using words like witch hunt he's saying he did nothing wrong he's saying like this is ridiculous he said the word nonsense and he used the word witch hunt with the russia gate and it turned out to be true because what they were alleging they didn't have the evidence to back it up and so it's much easier now for him to say well look this he said it in the beginning of this press conference you heard it for yourselves he's like this is the only way that they can try to get me out is through impeachment because I'm high in the polls. You all want me as your president and these people can't let go, can't like move on basically. That's what he's saying. And that's what his supporters are believing as well. And they're supporting him 100%. Instagram at House of Naco. In order for it to be a treasonous or bribery type of situation, the call between him and the Ukrainian president had to have really shown that he was saying, okay, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you do this, then I'll do this for you. And what the evidence shows is that aid to Ukraine or some type of something of that nature was put on hold before he made this call and it the hold was taken off subsequently after so people 
who are pushing for impeachment are saying that's basically quid pro quo, meaning I'll do this. If you do this, I'll give you that type of situation. Pretty much in any work situation, I don't care what job you're you're working at, whether you're at the top at an exec, executive corporate level or you work at Starbucks, the quid pro quo situation does not work and in any human resources manual it will tell you that it's a fireable offense and it's something that that company does not tolerate and the president of the united states should not have that sort of relationship with any country or any facet because it can lead to i mean we're not going to even get into what it could lead to it could lead to just too much destruction if that had been clearly outlined, then I do believe that they would have what they need to move forward with the impeachment process. He would be impeached and possibly removed from office if the transcript showed that directness. But this president is saying, well, because I canceled it or put their aid on hold and made the call and in in within the call i did not assert or even allege or even try to put an innuendo that there would be some type of compensation for this or something for this i mean at the end he talked about a visit to the white house i can't see that as being compensation for doing this inspector gadget work and trying to find out dirt on Joe Biden. So that is what the Senate and the House, those who are bringing this against the 45th will have to prove that there was quid pro quo, that there was scratch my back and I'll scratch yours and to prove that. And this time they better have all their receipts and go in. I want to hear that. Yes, we've got the smoking gun this time, because if they don't, you are already going to fire up a base that's pretty fired up for this president already. And when they see he's on the attack, they go in even harder. They love him even more. They pray even harder. And it's crazy, but it is the truth. So all this is going to do is just fan their flames. If there is not that concrete, like you better bring it and better bring enough that he is even removed because that's what needs to happen at this point if you're gonna try to impeach this president to make us all go through an impeachment process that you know is not gonna result in the removal of this president it's a waste of all of our time and taxpayer money so hopefully this bad political theater they aren't going to stretch it out like that and I can't even believe that I am about to like agree with something that <laughs> the 45th said, but it is true. He mentioned at the end, like um, what Joe Biden did for his son is something that needs to be looked at. Why am I sitting here agreeing with this man? But yeah, it is. If his father is doing stuff like that and this man seems to have completely lost touch with what's going on around him and seems to just be an out of touch individual that would not be a good leader. So on top of it, he's trying to be shady boots and try to like, 
you know, avoid his son from facing prosecution if he truly did something like that's not cool. So yeah, I want to know about that. I think that's, and he's running for president still. Can't believe he hasn't dropped out of that one. But yeah, so that needs to be investigated. Like I said, this impeachment thing, (laughs) it is going to be bad political theater, like on steroids. Like if, uh, imagine Trump having to be on the stand and all this stuff. Oh my gosh. But hey. Start ordering your specialty popcorn and let it have time to be mailed to you (laughs) so you can have it there and start munching and crunching while you're watching this bad political theater because it's going to go on. I, anyway, the Clinton one, whatever. I wasn't even trying to pay attention during that time. Too young. But this one I would be paying attention and I know it it's just it's just cray it's not what we need to be putting our focus and time on as a nation and it's sad that it has to come through that I read someone said or or a writer a political writer said that they wish that Trump would be removed, that if he was going to be removed by office, it would be by an election and not by this impeachment process. And I have to agree just because it is just a waste of time. Like 2020 is right there. I feel like if this man truly has done what you've alleged him to do, then your candidate is going to be top notch and it's going to be easy to defeat him because of all the things that have gone down in addition you want to add this type of uh treasonous acts to it it's like come on but we shall all see how this plays out but it definitely (sighs) strap in people strap in it's gonna be a long and bumpy ride you are listening to House of Nagel. Our next topic of conversation is a segment I like to call, or actually I don't like to call it this actually, but I call it White Crimes, White Tears. Insert the sad music right here. And the reason why I don't like to call it that is, but I felt like I had to, but I don't like to use it because... I generally typically want to focus on positivity. I don't view life through a lens of race, class, gender, race, class, gender, race, class, gender. There's some people who operate on that level and more power to you if that's the way you want to live your life. But for me, there was a time that I was constantly viewing things through a lens of race, through a lens of like gender. And it is exhausting. It is exhausting. And when you focus on that for everything, like, was it because I'm black? Was it because you're white? Was it because I'm black? Like, it's too much. Like, for me, no. And the fact is, and it's a fact, what it is that you focus on, what it is that you think about, meditate on, talk about, movies that you watch, news that you're attracted to, that manifests in your life. So for a time, it's like when I was 
viewing life through that lens, then all of these situations that come with that were starting to pop up in my life. And I don't want that because I want peace of mind. I want to focus on basking in the joy of life, not in the negativity of life, because viewing life through that angle, through the those constructs, and when I say construct, they are things that are not within like spirit like basically what i'm trying to say is like we i and many other people thank god have this way of looking at life too but a lot of people don't which is unfortunate but what i'm talking about is looking at the principles and values of of an individual trying to connect with their inner being their inner spirit and if it's on a deeper level their soul kind of, not kind of, exactly what Dr. Martin Luther King was talking about when he gave the speech and said uh, content of their character rather than judged. He said, I want my children to be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. That was his dream for his children. And that's the basis. I mean, it's explaining what I'm trying to say is how I choose now to view the world because it's too ugly and negative and evil to spend your time in that other place. At least that has what that is what I have come to adopt and know for my life. And I have that right, just like anybody has the right. If you want to exhaust yourself and the multiplicity of the stress of it all, then go right ahead. You have that right as a human being. Do you. But I'm telling you, it does not result in anything positive. You're not going to bring good blessings to your life. You're not going to have good people come into your life if you're constantly angry, constantly uh, degrading people, constantly looking down at them. Like how these people in these extremist groups even live with that type of heaviness on your shoulders, on your heart. You must not have good health. You're not happy. You're not, you're just, just like evil inside. Like that's, that's what that is. Because we're all human beings like we was it in a uh, uh, Shakespearean where he said uh what's his name Shylock in um gosh the play uh, is escaping me at this moment but in a Shakespeare a very famous Shakespearean play that has escaped my mind right now the main character is saying, do we not bleed? If I cut, do I not bleed? If I this, do I not? He's trying to say I, the whole subtext is he's saying I, because he was Jewish, was being looked at like he's subhuman and he has to plead for his life, plead for his innocence and basically say, I'm human like you, try and understand. And that's really at the core of understanding my, you know, philosophy of my outlook on life so yes that's the reason why I don't like to label something like white this black that but I name it that because I really don't know what else to call it <laughs> white crimes white tears white lies oh <laughs> white lies 
But yeah, oh, that should be actually what it's called. The three W's. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, um, but when I read what was trending on Twitter this morning, I was like, what is this? And then when I researched it, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And then it just reminded me of something else that took place in the news a couple months ago in July, actually. So I was like, let me just talk about this for a short period of time, even though it is a topic that's of a larger discussion, which has to be a whole other show segment. We got to bring in some experts. We got to weigh in our uh, research and talk about that because it's a huge topic. So let me get to it. This morning, I saw something stand with Carson was trending. It was like the top thing trending, even though this impeachment thing was going on, even though uh, Prince Harry and Meghan and baby Archie, who was so cute, uh, was revealed today and that was top news. This stand with Carson thing was up, trending very high on, on Twitter. And I was looking at the tweets and from what I could gather from what I was reading people from Iowa are standing with this Carson dude because basically he was dropped or he had some type of sponsorship with Anheuser-Busch and which is the beer company I didn't know what that relationship entailed but from these tweets who were saying stand with Carson that this Carson person had a relationship with this Anheuser-Busch and they cut it due to an Iowan paper doing a story on Carson. I think his last name is King, Carson King. And in that reporter, while covering Carson and doing in the story, did some background work on him and found that when he was 16 and the kid now or he's not a kid <laughs> let me take that back roll it back roll it back um if he was 16 i read in one report that that was seven years ago so seven years ago he was 16. i'm like what's the math so you're now in your 20s <laughs> yes you are now in your 20s and that's not that long ago. So I, before I found out like how old he was and I saw his picture kind of faintly on, or John, it, his face appears on some beer cans. Like that was a part of the sponsorship and I'll explain how he got his sponsorship. So I couldn't really tell what his age was. He didn't seem like an older gentleman, but to me, I'm thinking, okay, if you wrote something when you were 16 and people are saying that, oh, it happened so long ago, I'm thinking this man is well into his 30s, his 40s, his 50s. That was a long time ago. He has grown, he has matured, and this is how. Come to find out this Carson King is like in his 20s. So seven years ago, <laughs> Seven years ago. Okay, so this is what the reporter found. He found some old tweets of Carson's when he was 16. And these were some racist tweets. How they even were able to stay on Twitter. Twitter should have had 
the detection seven years ago, I would think, to ban him or at least erase those tweets or something like that. So I'm just surprised that no one like in this guy's circle of friends, not his parents at this point, not anybody he was connected to online had any type of problem with this. They all thought it was funny. They all thought it was great. How Twitter didn't step in because CNN, and I don't watch corporate news, you all know that, but I did see that they did a very short segment on this whole fiasco. And they said that they wouldn't even show the tweets. So come on, we've come a long way in what is acceptable on television now, but they said we're not even showing it. I don't know if they're trying to be dramatic. I didn't go to try and research the tweets, but if CNN's not going to put them in, you know they love that click, 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 clatter. They love those ratings. So if this was some juicy stuff, juicy racial mix, then my goodness, I know they would are uncouth. They would put it on there. They don't care. Like it's going to get those clicks clicking. And they didn't do it. So I'm like, what did this dude say? <laughs> what kind of mess did he say? That they're like, we're not even going to... Sometimes they will just, you know, put the blurry part over and then they'll put like an expletive. But this must have been so laden with just hatred that they were like, we're not even going to try and do it. Unless it was complete, like... um you know, kind of a marketing thing on their point. Like, oh, we're not going to do it so that it's going to create more mystery around. Who knows? Regardless of how expletive-laden the tweets were, the fact that people won't even, like, usually when someone's being accused of something like this, they even take a screenshot of what was written and add that into the article. I haven't come across that yet. So I'm going to assume what he said was terrible and it was racial and it was specific to black people. And I was just astounded by the number and I assume these are Iowans. I mean, some of them probably are weighing in from this from all walks of life from all around the world perhaps but it seemed like most of them were local and they were talking about the paper and they were saying they stand by him and they love him all right so let's backtrack a little bit House of so this carson king has a sponsorship with anheuser-busch because he started doing these handmade signs trying to get anheuser-busch to make a real sign and donate money to his charity. I'm paraphrasing it because I really don't care what the whole thing was. It's irrelevant at this point. Like that still doesn't take away from what he said. But what, where it's coming from is his uh, sponsorship with Anheuser-Busch. Like they responded to his handmade signs calling them to step up and be a part of you know the charity effort so he with these signs and sponsorship has raised like a million or over a million dollars for some children's hospital that deals with all sorts of diseases probably terminal ones too and a million dollars is nothing to scoff at that is an achievement 
most people his age aren't thinking about raising money for other people. So that is wonderful and should be applauded, yes. However, however, Anheuser-Busch, which does have a history, I saw some people try to dig up some racist ads that they had out probably in the 50s, 60s, looks like it's some 1800 stuff talking about it had some beer called black and brown <laughs> of course we're like let's advertise it with some little black and brown baby looking slaves let's draw them make them look crazy and they're drinking the beer like that's how this ad looked like it was insane insane for whatever time period it was like for anyone who's like oh yes the team at Anheuser-Busch, I don't care if it was 1910, 1960 or whatever, that none of y'all, and so many companies did that. Not to excuse Anheuser-Busch, I am sure that they have, or actually I'm not sure that they've learned their lesson, what am I talking about? But they've gotten smarter as this world has become more politically correct and more social media, internet minded that racial insensitivity and screw-ups which are bound to happen at these companies because they are all like 90 percent white the people who sit on those boards and make those decisions those editorial boards those marketing boards they're not full of diverse staff you know because somebody from another culture or has another level of consciousness who could be like um yeah guys that's really funny but these people might be offended by it like that's why you have to have diversity (laughs) in places but they don't so then they're constantly we're constantly hearing in the news about actually i just read side note that ikea had to gosh what was the brand i'm gonna look it up but ikea had to basically cut ties with a brand that they were collaborating with because of some like Nazi Holocaust overtones or something of that nature. It's like, what? But yes, the brand has the right to want to preserve and to protect itself. So if whatever marketing scheme or ploy or tool that they devise comes out to bite them in the (laughs) bite them in the butt or to make them look terrible or it's going to cause a trend on Twitter which can directly affect business and sales and stocks and all of that it's not a joke so with PR you want to jump on it and try to spin it as much as possible so Anheuser-Busch cut their sponsorship with this Connor dude because of these tweets that this Iowan reporter found in his uh, interview with him he researched him found these tweets interestingly enough the reporter himself was investigated and saw his social media dug into tweets that he wrote racist tweets I'm assuming against black people and now his employer is reviewing those he's probably suspended so this is just crazy what's going on in Iowa okay what is going on with y'all but I'm telling you the story that it was trending that what was just disturbing about the story and why I'm even talking about it just to point out some some 
facts that these people were overwhelming like the hashtag was standing with Carson and the overwhelming sentiment in every tweet was the people who were standing with him and the people who pretty much looked like they were from Iowa were trying to excuse whatever racist horrible things that he was tweeting that yes he was 16 years old but they were trying to excuse it by saying like, oh, he's 16. We all did crazy things when we were 16. And I wouldn't want to be judged by what I did when I was 16. And he's doing a wonderful thing now with raising this money. And shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. Like basically that was the sentiment in every tweet. And while it is, and I will say again, of course it is admirable. It is wonderful. It is gracious. It is kind. It is what more people need to do in this world. Spend their time thinking less about themselves and give to other people so I'm glad he's raised this money but what he wrote on Twitter is not connected to his charity work they're not one in the same this is a separate incident and yes it happened seven years ago but the man is in his early 20s what he said on camera that oh when the reporter pointed it out to me I was shocked like you can't be that shocked. It did not happen that long ago that you <laughs> don't remember writing those tweets. It is just so commonplace in your life and in your friends' lives and in your workspace and where you go to school to have these sort of jokes. Closeted, probably. Oh, that's not even closeted. You put it on Twitter. So this is open. It is okay in your circles to degrade other people. And particularly black people, because that's what we're talking about. It was, these tweets were not pointed to lesbians or anyone from the LBGTQ community, or it wasn't directed as uh, um, something that was uh, against women and degrading to women. Because if it had, I guarantee that there would have been more of an outrage. They would have said, they would have been talking about, yes, like what he does is great for the hospital, but it's also not cool to bash gay people. It's also not cool to, you know, bash women and objectify them. It would be viewed in that lens. But why is it that we are excusing this and saying that, oh, because he's 16 and it was seven years ago? Like seven years ago is not that long a time. And it was when he was 16 living at home. He should have been living at home under his parents' direction. And when you have such a nonchalant view of people of color, particularly black people, that you can joke about it so openly that you can put it online. Yes, at 16, you're not thinking of ramifications of things, but what I'm saying is that it was so, he did not have any sense that what he was doing was wrong. And it was probably celebrated. I'm sure those tweets got lots of likes and retweets and you know people laughing and his friends and family all accepting it. But that is something that is wrong. It is wrong to make jokes that way. It is wrong to desensitize, to try and lessen people. And you do that by joking, you know, about them as being less than, as being less than human or you being better than them. Like, that's so messed up. And you don't see how that leads to, like, people getting hurt at the end because if you 
keep joking and joking and make it comfortable and make it okay and make it something that isn't even brought up to be checked that you know black people are stupid black people are this they're that they're less than basically that's what these jokes culminate into at the end of the day you can oh it's just joking funny like it's not funny when you are i'm sure the n-word was all laced up through those tweets you're using that word like it doesn't matter if it's in hip-hop now eminem says it like i i don't even know if he says it but i'm just saying like there are plenty of non uh, uh african-american or black people in the industry who use that word and spit it out like every other word it still has a history tied behind it and for you to use it in a joking manner is a serious thing and it's something like i said that you didn't even have the thought process that this is wrong so that to me that means it's accepted in your community it's accepted in your family to degrade and dehumanize a group of people which ultimately is not a good thing so anheuser-busch even if they had a, a past of having racist ads and racism throughout their company which i'm sure they still do today they don't want to openly associate themselves now that this is open and put this dude's face on cans when he's saying the things that he said about black people and it was just a short period of time ago as i said in the beginning if this dude was 40 and you want to tell me when he was 16 he did something he's had a lifetime you know not a lifetime but he's had many years since he was a 16 year old boy He's now 40. He doesn't think that way anymore. Like, you know, these are the steps that he's taken to unlearn all the stuff that obviously was acceptable to him and his family and friends at that time. And this is why it's not. If you've done that type of growth, and that's just if, because most of the time, if you grow up in an environment learning certain things, you take those things with you into adulthood. You would have to do the work that it does to unlearn. If you are familiar, John Singleton, who passed away last year, great filmmaker, groundmaking filmmaker, made a movie in the 90s called Higher Learning. Was not the best movie, but the premise was great and the... Uh, the I know where he was trying to go maybe he didn't have all the acting ensemble he needed but the message was clear and at the end I just remember there it just the word unlearn came up and I believe that's how the movie ended it's like unlearn but you are going to have to take the responsibility and take the accountability to de uh like de detach yourself yes from what you have learned and to unlearn it it is a process it's something that is uh something that you have to be conscious to do conscious and ready to do the work to unlearn things from childhood bad habits from childhood we can't carry those into adulthood but this isn't even the case with this young man. He's a young man. And yes, he was a teenager when he said this. But it's not that long ago. 
and and the heiser bush does not want to be putting the face of somebody who not that long ago was saying these like vile and horrific things about a group of people that's just not good business sense for any big brand like that because it could turn into a huge thing black people drink anheuser bush too so you wouldn't want this to become some big media spectacle so that all black people and people who support you know black people are going to stop drinking your beer they don't want some type of thing like that no brand would so for them to cut ties with him makes perfect sense and for the iowans to be like stand with carson that it's trending still on twitter is just it's not unfathomable but it and i want to say that like oh i i'm not expecting it i'm not surprised though but it's still sad it's just sad that you that i was listening to a youtube clip of dick gregory another great comedian thinker of our time who passed away a few years ago at the age of 80 but he was still sharp in his older age and this youtube clip he was saying a lot i can't even get into all what he was saying but he mentioned something about white people protecting white people and that stuck with me and i feel like this is that type of situation here with this carson king it's like there's there wants to be no even examination of what he said because or carson king of those vitriolic words those words full of hate that he wrote and joked about so openly online and so like free of all guilt of all type of deconstruction thinking maybe this is wrong maybe this could hurt someone like there wasn't anything like that and most of these people don't want the people who were supporting him they don't want to analyze life through that type of lens either perhaps there's too much guilt associated with it i don't know the reason but you can't protect somebody protect in the sense of just you know be for them go for hard for them no matter what no matter what it's because we're white and we're gonna stick together on the flip side with blackness as well like when somebody is in the wrong and has done something it doesn't matter what their race is or class is or caste is or anything like that it should just be based on the fact that this was wrong and if there's a crime there needs to be a punishment and so on but for us to act like and i'm not including myself in us but i'm saying for them for them to act like the age of 16 is such a young age that what you wrote or what you thought when you were 16 completely doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter now like that is absolutely preposterous in this country at the age of 16 you can be prosecuted and sent to adult prison depending on your <laughs> race class gender caste all of that i just recently and recently the emmy awards came on and a young man from the bronx named jarrell i can't remember his last name but he portrayed Corey wise in the netflix limited documentary style series actually it's not a documentary it is a um, drama about the exonerated central park five and the young man who portrayed Corey wise 
won an Emmy Award for his performance. And that's amazing in itself. The All the Exonerated Five, including, uh, including obviously Corey Wise was there. It was fantastic. I had the pleasure, my husband and I, when we love going up to Harlem. Uh, we used to live uptown a few years ago and 125th in Harlem has changed in so many ways. Some of it's sad. Um, as far as what gentrification has done, destroying like wonderful landmarks from the Harlem Renaissance age that nobody fought for to keep. <laughs> nobody fought for to get a, a landmark status from the city for, which is also sad to me. However, uh, the story is just that we were in Harlem a few weeks ago and we saw Corey Wise just chilling near 125th in his hood, being him, being happy, or at least looking happy. And that is fantastic for him, for him to have survived what he went through. But I'm bringing him up because I believe Mr. Corey Wise was 16 years old when he, he wasn't even in the park with the other four. He came to the the scene as a friend to support and he just got lumped in with them all basically like all oh, your black come in there and then ended up getting the harshest sentences of them all because the others were a little younger 15 so technically you could not send them to a Rikers or an adult male prison but Corey had to go but he was still a child and he was 16 so my so my point is that in this country we can send a young child of 16 according to laws in most states to adult prison so that means your thought process your actions and all of that matter when you're 16. so that is why anheuser-busch made the right decision to cut ties with this dude because even though like i said with all their racist posters and marketing and like i said current racism probably going through their company they don't want it to have a public face like that they just don't and any brand would have made the same decision they're not going to keep putting his face on beer cans. They're just not. They know that in the end, this is going to cost them something. It's gonna cost them reputation. It's gonna cost them customer loyalty. It's gonna cost money. In the end, all they care about, that's what they care about. That's why they cut it. It's not because they are like, oh, we are at the top of diversity and inclusion here at Anheuser-Busch and we think that this is so yeah right this is about they are converting into dollars like this mistake this blunder can result into loss of dollars so that's why they cut him it seemed like this Carson dude understood in the tweets that he sent out afterwards saying basically he wasn't mad at the the paper he's not mad at the reporter he's glad that it was brought i don't even understand it you're glad it's brought to your attention or he said something in that regard like i said saying that's what proves to me that it's commonplace for him to have these jokes and these uh evil hate-filled things about brown and black folks that it's a common thing because it hasn't been something that he, he even remembered and 
there wasn't anything coming from him that says this is how I've evolved this is how I've unlearned what obviously was very uh, commonplace in my life and I am uh, like sorry for that and blah 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 I didn't hear all that he just was like oh my gosh basically I'd forgotten about these racist things and now you're bringing it to my attention oh snap um, and it's you know and that was the end end of it because <laughs> I highly doubt this guy has had any motivation to try and examine himself in that way until this happened, which is crazy. And the reason even why I wanted to talk about it is because something very similar had taken place in July with um, a young man who um, was a survivor of the Parkland um, shooting that happened. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and he became, this happened in Parkland, Florida. I thought it was Texas. There have been so many shootings. I'm like, is it Florida? Is it Texas? Who knows? But this Parkland happened in Florida. Kyle Kashuv, Kashuv um, had applied to Harvard and was accepted. He was 18. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Again, Kyle is 18 years old. And when he was 16... He wrote some very, you know, used racial slurs in a text and Skype conversation and Google document when he was 16. So this is two years ago. We're not talking about, again, we're not talking about something that was said in adolescence. And then fast forward to when you are a full-fledged man and you still... Because it is proven. It is not just on House of Nako. I'm just blowing hot air. Like these are facts that people, not people, just either psychiatrists or psychologists or probably both. And even other types of disciplines have studied about what people retain in their childhood. What you learn in childhood. What type of habits you form in childhood stay with you for the rest of your life. So if it was commonplace enough to, we pick up like sponges when we're young. At 16, if you were not emancipated or grew up in foster care or orphaned, which I do not believe this Kashiv was or Kashiv or Carson was, they grew up probably in a two parent household somewhere. Or even if they didn't have two parents, they had a house, they had a parent. And in that house, it was acceptable, I'm telling you, and just ran off their tongues like drinking water, having racial slurs come out like that. Because that's the only way you, as a 16-year-old, would feel comfortable. If you grew up in an environment where you were taught that it is wrong to discriminate against people, it is wrong to make fun of somebody because of their race, their gender, their uh, personal handicap, or whatever. If you grew up in a household like that, you would carry that with you and you would know that it's wrong to do that and you wouldn't, even though when you're 16, yes, you're not having all your wits about you and you're probably not you know, thinking in, uh, in these huge plans. However, as I just mentioned some time ago, in this country at 16, you can be sent to either juvenile prison 
or adult most in cases like i said if you don't got a good lawyer and you don't have that money and that clout and that cast and that class then most likely you're going to adult prison they do it all the time it depends what on the <laughs> on the judge and like i said on your class on your cast on your race on whatever but the fact of the matter is you will face some type of of uh accountability at 16 like it's only if you were like a small child like i was remembering in elementary school so in this country this is like your first k through five this happened like maybe i was in third or fourth grade my sister was in second grade i believe and a little girl this was a second grader so she probably was eight seven or eight called my sister the n-word and it was like she had to go to the office her parents had to come get her like all this stuff they disciplined her this happened a long time ago but i remember i mean this is one of the things i will never forget because it's one of those (laughs) it's a very you know strong word and it doesn't matter like i'm saying i (laughs) Like, I remember this happened a long time ago. Okay, not that long. But it happened when I was a child. And I'm trying, I'm, what I'm saying is what happened when I was a child. And I still remember. And, I mean, this little girl obviously did not understand the complexity of that word. But I'm telling you, it's a word that she heard run off of her parents' tongues all the time. That's how she learned it. Because we learn as children especially in at that age and even through our adolescent years we are picking stuff up from our environment and where we go to school where we live that's our environment so that little girl didn't go I mean there was no internet what you know capabilities over there but she wasn't researching the third reich and researching hate groups in the united states and was like you know what this is what no she is picking up what her parents are saying how they're slinging that word around how when they have barbecues they're sitting around making fun of black people and making their racist jokes and (laughs) and it's a good old time that's how she learned it and that's why she came and knew that, oh, you two are what my parents are talking about. Y'all are N-words, you know? And so that's how it is. So these young white gentlemen, both Carson King and this Kyle, were comfortable. Like, it was something that was acceptable in his communities, in his in his environment that's how he felt so comfortable to go online and tweet about it to go on google and skype and be like n-word 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 <laughs> look at those n-words or whatever he said like that's not cool so just like anheuser-busch harvard is a brand believe it or not you better if you don't want to believe it that's okay but it is a brand yes it's a university but it is a brand it is the oldest university founded in like 1609 like the the what harvard means to this country what name they have made for themselves means a lot to those people like ivy league stuff is no joke it is like some of the elitist some of the most you know, you really see like the wealth disparity and inequality when you look at Ivy League institutions. So I am in no way, shape, 
hailing them up as being something like, you know, nectar from the gods. This is the bread and butter of America. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they're a brand and they do not want to, as a brand, they don't want to associate themselves with anybody who could get publicity and get that trending moment where it's going to make them look bad by being associated with them. That is like marketing and PR number one. So of course they accepted him, but then they were like, "Uh uh-uh, what'd you say? Hold up, rescind. They don't want it. They don't want it because forever, once you join a university like that, or these top universities, you're linked there for life. So if they kept him there and more stuff started coming out about him, or he if he came on campus and wanted to start some Third Reich, like in the United States group or whatever like that, even though he said, oh, I'm not like that anymore. Even if he did, they can't kick him out then at that point. So they just want to cut ties, not let it trend on Twitter anymore, and just look like the good guys being like, you know what, we don't tolerate this. And the fact of the matter, they tolerate it all day long because these institutions aren't, just like Anheuser-Busch is not some pillar of diversity and inclusion, neither is Harvard University. If you had to look at the numbers and the demographics of the student body population, of the faculty population, you will see that it is all lily, lily, like Protestant, Anglo-Saxon, white. Like only a very small, if at all, do I dare say 5%? That's probably too much. Probably giving you too much, Harvard. But that's the truth. That's how these Ivy League schools roll. And to be honest, that's how most schools roll if they aren't like an HB. Um, historically black college or university HBCU or you know a college that happens to have a lot of uh, black students because they want to take advantage of financial aid and those Pell Grants and there's a lot of schools like that especially a lot of schools in New York where the graduation rates for high schools in the city are have improved. More kids are applying to college. A lot of middle class, lower middle class kids are applying. They're using government money. And those schools who traditionally would not probably want to accept a lot of students of color find themselves accepting a lot of black students from these Uh, from New York uh, City and from New York State and New Jersey. They find themselves doing that. And interesting enough, enough, a lot of uh, international students, primarily a lot of Asians, Vietnamese, Chinese, like flooding, and even Japanese, but flooding, you know, these schools, they can pay the whole, because they don't get financial aid or any assistance from the government or from the school. So they're coming and paying the whole kit and caboodle. So they're accepting them in droves too. So, but that's another story for another time. Back to these kids, these knuckleheads, who I'm sure are doing great things now they are, but you can't just ignore what they said because it's targeting a class or a group of people that we're just so used 
to uh, disrespecting and dehumanizing. So, oh, let's just, you know, let's just mark it up to the fact that they were young and 16 and uh, so much time has gone by. Like, first of all, that's not a lot of time. It is not. Two years for this Kyle dude is not enough time for you to really be convincing that for you to use such a slur, such slurs so openly and so, you know, uh, freely that in two years you have done the work that it takes to unlearn something that was so comfortable in your environment. I don't, that can't happen in two years. It can't happen in seven. Like it has to be something that you do. It depends on the severity of it. Like if you grew up in some like Nazi home, then you're going to have to spend double time on unlearning that stuff if you don't want to carry any of it and pass it on to your children. But that's how racism works or any ism. It is passed down. It's stuff that we learn from our environment, learn from our home, mostly our parents and our siblings and all of that but everything starts with them what they think how how they relate to the world they're going to impart that on their children and then their children learn that and then usually if there's no unlearning process they will pass that on to their children which is how until it's going to take a stand like how I have never been a Chelsea Handler fan and I probably still am not. I have not watched her new special on Netflix. But there is one in which she is exploring white privilege. And yes, it's in a documentary that's probably an hour and a half. Not even that. Um, it's not a, a full part series. It needs to be a 10 part series. But I'm sure Netflix didn't want to really hit people over the head. They're like, we just had when they see us, okay? So we can't go that far into the race thing. But I applaud her efforts because it's going to take that type of accountability and the strength to overlook what you've been taught, the strength to unlearn and the strength to kind of shake off the guilt that you may have for, you know, they call it white guilt. And a lot of people don't want to face issues of race and inequality because it makes them feel bad. Basically, you need to get over that and have those conversations and see how you can improve your behavior and, and change it to be more inclusive so that we can all get along with one another because the demographics are changing folks it is now changing and we have already had these experts predict that by 2050 and probably before that that white quote-unquote people won't be the majority because there's so much mixing there's immigration that's what this country has become so this is that fact is what people like Trump and others like him have played on that fear to continue to divide us but we need to reject that with all of our might because it is fake it is fake it is phony we have more in common with one another than we do differences and it is a plan it is by design to try and keep us divided to keep us at each other's throats so that we don't realize who is trying to screw us over 
who our true enemy is. And we, if we could just take a moment and not allow these racial constructions, which are social, based on social construction, get us confused that we can actually start to build and have coalitions and have real community and make real change that is that's what's up that's what we're talking about so the fact that you want to stand with Carson I'm not saying you should you know denounce Carson like or throw him in jail that's not what I'm saying but I'm saying but just to blanket it and say like oh we're gonna protect him like no matter what and not look at what he said and not look at what he did and not look at how problematic that is and look at how uh, uh, the conversation needs to change. Look at how the uh, like the whole dynamic needs to change, so that we learn, we understand that our hi- histories are not just you know it's not African American history, it's not Asian American history. Yes, it is in in that sense. And I'm not trying to take achievements made by people of those different races, women's history. But at the end, we all fall under the umbrella of it being American history, of it being global history. And we need to celebrate like our humanness and less focus on racial because that is used so much to divide us. And that's what we should see from these two incidences and not the rush to try and just cover over what these young men what they were evoking what they're evoking is evil (laughs) what they're evoking is hatred what they're evoking is dehumanizing and when you strip someone of their humanity it's much easier to discount them and to dismiss them it's easier to say their lives don't matter and to show that their lives don't matter so there's no It's by no coincidence that, you know, these racially charged words and tweets are being accepted and being tossed about and it's commonplace and it's okay. And then you see a rise in hate crimes and you see a rise. So those things are connected. We are all connected. We need to, we are human beings and yes, people make mistakes, but even a teenager, especially at 16 or even at 13 (laughs) when you've done something and you haven't had that much time to reflect on it. It's something that needs to be addressed and not hit trying to hide it under the bushes. And once we do that, we can have open and honest dialogue and conversation in our respective groups and together and learn how to treat each other how we want to be treated. We all want to be treated as humans and not be have that taken away from us, not have that compassion taken away, that empathy, that, that love that every human being does deserve. So when we start and we're able to look at ourselves in that way and others, that's when we'll start to build coalitions and finally dismantle this ridiculous social construction. Some people think that it's impossible to happen. I don't believe anything's impossible. I do believe it will take 
some time because things like this take time to build but we can start now we can start now and um yeah i don't want to talk about this for too much because it's just so but i just wanted to say with the kyle kashev case and harvard i was even hearing in people who claim to be and not claim they have showed the receipts for being progressive in terms of their outlook on life and even on those platforms i was hearing well he was only 16 and and you know, stuff i did when i was 16 and i have mistakes and he harvard is a place or classist place and it's of the establishment and blah 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 i was hearing that on progressive platforms still but the audience it was mostly white i'm specifically talking about jimmy Dore. like let's keep it 100 he keeps it 100 on his show i keep it 100 on this show as well and i am a true supporter of that show and have been watching and listening to Jimmy Dore since he was on The Young Turks. I have nothing but respect for him and the miserable liberal. Love them both. I didn't have a chance to see them when they came to New York and I was so upset about it. But at the end of the day, I had to keep it moving. I have a business and empire to run. So, uh, yeah. So all of that said, I have nothing but admiration and respect for Jimmy Dore but on this subject I was it really like kind of was like a swift kick to the gut when I heard him justifying not justifying but basically saying oh he's 16 16 he shouldn't be and I was like what Jimmy like come on but then I was like, well, let me think about it. Like, have I ever seen anyone on this show? I've been watching for a while. I haven't seen anyone come on who wasn't, didn't look like Jimmy. <laughs> I, I've only seen, I think, white people. Or Aaron Mate, I think, might be, what is his father's? Are they from Spain or something? Are they Jewish? I don't know. But I've never seen, maybe I've missed it. Maybe I have missed a show or two, Jimmy. But I haven't seen like him really covering that perspective. And I get it that you're not, maybe like that's not on the forefront of his mind because he doesn't, it, it, people in his immediate circle aren't reflected in of that community. And so it doesn't think, he doesn't think in those terms perhaps. So basically what I'm saying is that we need to get to a point until, and until we get to this point, I, it will be hard to achieve the type of atmosphere where we need to be to judge people by the content of their character and not by their skin color or their race or their gender taking people as they are not judging them as a group that's what they do that's how they are predisposed to you know so and that starts with being honest and looking at things for what they are and not just wanting to sweep something under the rug because you want to protect you know people that look like you and 
that's just not cool and in the case of these two men it's not productive for anyone really for to have that sort of outlook like we need to learn to be critical of one another especially when it comes to things like this so that we can dismantle these ways of thinking that that are passed down and that we can learn to treat each other with respect and with kindness the way that we want to be treated we as individuals so i mean that's a part of a larger conversation and lot of work to un but it's not that much work it just is living and like i said putting out the the uh, treating people in the same way you'd want to be treated you wouldn't want this carson or kyle to read offensive things about people from your racial background or your not your racial your ethnic background or even your racial you wouldn't want to hear that you wouldn't want to hear stuff about your eth ethnic background but your parents parents being from this country and all people from this country are like this and let's openly make fun of them and nobody get any sort of accountability for that like that's not going to make you feel good as a person so that's what i'm saying and learning for white people to be critical of other whites especially when they are using racist language racist is situations is important like we need to hold each other accountable and that goes for all races too we need to hold you don't get a pass to be you know hateful to others because it's been done to you for all this time so anyway that was the trending topic and let's hope that the next time that it does trend that there's more of a dialogue more of a discussion and more of a chance to use it as a learning opportunity because that's what life is about y'all don't forget to follow us on instagram at house of naco at, at house, house of, of naco